Hey everybody, can you see me okay? Welcome to Friday. How's it going out there? We have some, uh, I'll give you some announcements in a minute. As soon as we confirm, somebody says hi. Oh, let me, sorry about that. That happens a lot. Ta-da, there you go. Let's fix that. Okay, so you guys should be seeing me okay? Hey, there you go. There's Nick saying, hey, Phil. Justin maybe saying, hey, Phil. Chatter, AI, how's it going? Hey, Phil. All right, so you guys, uh, greetings from San Diego. Greetings, hey, from Ireland. So, oi, oi, Phil. Hello, Phil. It's awesome. Um, Indiana, say hi from Indiana, from Chile. All right, um, so uh, a couple things going on. I'm going to give you some announcements, and I'll tell you about my week. For briefly and then we'll get into it so the first thing i want to mention is that the live shows are uh sponsored funded however you want to say it basically patrons uh support uh the channel and i, I like to give them a shout out uh for uh sponsoring these these live broadcasts uh bradulist uh bruce garris jeff howes we back tracks um john jex michael shea justin maybe and David Madison and Lawrence Petros from LPD Pedals. Now, um, what happens is they basically have all decided, I, I put it out there to companies if they wanted to sponsor the channel. And I was a little weary of doing that. And I didn't know if I want to do that yet. And I said, hey, anyone else interested? And these individuals said, hey, let's let's make this happen. So I want to thank them uh, every week uh, for making this happen. I appreciate it. Um, and so you know what what they do because um, sometimes people get confused about this. What they're doing is, if I make a YouTube video, you know, you get you get funds. All the stuff that doesn't pay, like answering questions, emails, doing that stuff, it's nice to have this funding to pay for costs and stuff to do that. So it's just nice. Um, so thank you guys for, for doing that. This week, what happened yesterday was my MacBook Pro laptop took a dump on me. And uh, so... I had to last minute make some some stuff. So I got a new camera. There's a new camera right here. So tell me what you guys think of the camera. Um, it was <laughs> it was either this camera or a, a cheap camera at Best Buy. This was the this camera was like two hundred dollars. So that's pricey for a a, a, a webcam. So uh, let me know what you guys think of the camera. If it's keeper, or should I return it? Because um, that was a lot. Uh, let's see. It's a JLD crank says how can i get a fatter wait greater it's moving on me hold on a second hold on a second i'm gonna scroll down maybe not let me click it again there it is all right it says how do i get a fatter uh greater tone from a strat oh you know that's a good question and that's a, a big deal so the first thing um it's hard to answer the question to be honest without knowing what pickups are in that strat so for me I, I like the Fat 50 strats for the tone, but they are not fat. They're very thin sounding. So they're very frustrating to me. Uh, it's hard to get a bigger sound. Um, so one of the things that I do to get a bigger sound out of a strat is use a, um, I use the Echoplex pedal by Dunlop. That works great if you don't want to color the sound, you just want everything to sound a little bigger. There's actually a great pedal by Rock, uh, Rocktron called, oh, I'm doing off memory, hold on a second. It's called the, uh, Texas Special, I think. 
Texas. It's Texas something. I know it's Texas because it has a sheriff star in it, and it fattens up strat tone. Um, the uh, pickup booster we talked about last week by Seymour Duncan will do that. There's a ton of pedals that will fatten up a, 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 a thin-sounding strat tone. But you can always swap pickups, and pickups are pretty easy. It just depends on what pickups you have. So if you have a Mexican strat, the stock pickups on those are pretty fat because they're they're Alnico or uh, they're ceramic pag, uh, magnets. But um, but technically, uh, for me, if you want a bigger strat tone, go to '60s era style pickups. So look for the pickups that are the Jimi Hendrix, the '60s style era pickups, much bigger, bolder sounding than than the uh, '50s style uh, strat pickups. Hold on a second, man, you guys are moving fast, and I'm this is not my normal computer, so I'm. I'm, oh, okay. I see what I'm doing wrong. Again, I did not want to miss this week. It seems like stuff happens all the time and I didn't want to miss this week. So please bear with me today. Um, if, okay, there you go. If, um, if I'm moving a little slower than normal, cause like I said, this is a totally different computer. This is my, uh, MacBook, uh, uh desktop from seven years ago. That's been my kid's internet computer for the house. So I am not used to using a mouse. I've been using a laptop for, uh, uh ever. <laughs> so I'm, I'm used to, not used to having an actual mouse. <laughs> okay. Um, what do we got? He says, uh, Phil Bowling for Soup invited you. Oh, it, I'm saying if Bowling for Soup, this is from Bruce, by the way, Phil, if, Bru if Bowling for Soup invited you, Monte, Mon um, uh, Monte Montgomery and Marcus Miller to sit with you uh, for the show and you could pick any theater or venue in the, in the world, where would you want that show to be? Oh, that's great. Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, a cool venue. You know what it is? I'd like it to be an intimate venue. I really like smaller intimate venues. Um, and I can't specifically name any that, that stick out, you know, with me. So I'm going to probably just say like the hard rock cafe, um, is cool. Uh, house of blues is cool. I like those places when I've gone there. So any kind of mid-sized venue, anything that fits a, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be in a big venue. So it's a good question. Um, oh, it says audio and video is off out of sync. Please let me know, guys. Like I said. Okay, let's see. It says... Okay, so here's a question. Alan says, Phil uh, and everyone, what do you think of African Blackwood as fretboard wood uh, for a custom shop, uh, custom deluxe Stratocaster. Thanks. Um, you know, it's, there's, 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 there's theories on that, right? I'm not just talking about tone wood theories. There's theories about how fretboards, you know, interact with the way things happen on a fretboard. Um, you know, my personal experience, which is always one I always want to go to instead of just theories and stuff, just things I've experienced in my life. My experience is that the more on these more, the more untraditional woods uh, for fretboards tend to have kind of cool, different kind of things happening. Like um, to me, uh, uh, ebony fretboards always have a, a harshness to them. And, uh, and I think that's physical. I think it's because the, if the, the neck moves differently with different woods, multi-laminate necks versus maple necks versus mahogany. So I don't think it's actually the wood that um, 
And that's the important part. I don't think wood on a neck changes the tone. I think the density of something, like if it's carbon fiber or if it's a a, a, a winge neck or winch, however you want to say it, and uh, um, a uh, and versus a, a mahogany neck. So um, believe it or not, I think when you mess with that stuff, you're just going to add some some variations of frequency, brighter or bassier. So to answer your question, I would imagine it'd be fine. Just I would imagine would be on the brighter side, which is fine. Okay, so it says video quality is not that good. Colors, brightness, either can, either the cam is not good or just a matter of settings. Yeah, it might be the camera. Like I said, it's a brand new camera, so it's just for this video today. My computer will be fixed on Monday. Um, and I was going to buy a new computer, but I just bought that computer in November of last year. So I just hit the one-year mark and took a, took a, took a dump. So let's see. Um, Phil, if you crank your tube amp and control your volume with overdrive pedal, do you benefit from having tubes cooking from having the amp cranked? Uh, do the tubes get pushed if you do that? Oh, that's a great question, right? So basically what he's asking is he's saying, hey, you know, turn the amp up, but then put a pedal in front of it, turn the pedal down. Um, you know, yeah, I believe so. I, I've, I've, I tend to do that with amplifiers. If I'm running a pedal and I'm trying to play at night or play, if I'm running a pedal, run the amp a little hotter and bring it down with the uh, pedal, especially if I'm not switching the pedal on and off to get clean and, and, and dirty from the pedal, because otherwise you're going to have a big variance in volume. But yeah, you can get the, the amps definitely open up when they hit a certain, certain sound, you know what I mean? Or a certain spot. Like most tube amps, you hit two or three and then the amp starts to sound really good and full and it gets a little anemic when you get down to, um, to one and below. So yeah, I think that's a good, good theory. Um, Justin maybe says, Hey Phil, have you tried the PRS Satin Standard 24? If so, what is your opinion of it? Also, will you be demoing the Thomas Deluxe? So uh, two things, uh, let's go in order. Uh, the Standard 24 do, uh, PRS Satin, I think is a great guitar. I have one, it's downstairs. Um, mine's Sunburst and uh, no, it's very cool. Um, very, very cool guitar. Um, I've been thinking about sand in the neck just because it's kind of like this guitar I just kind of work over and play on and stuff. So, yeah. You know, I've said this before. I kind of like this, the S2s better than the core guitars. I just do. So, I like that guitar. I like I like the guitars, you know, that you can just, you know, mess with and play with and, and not worry about so much. Um, and will I be demoing the Tumnus Deluxe? Um, well, that would be if I decide to buy a Tumnus Deluxe. I had no intentions on buying one. Um, so that would be the question. I don't know if I'm going to buy one. You know, uh, I'd have to know. I, I just saw the announcements that it just came out. I saw some some stuff about it. I saw it on Instagram. I saw one, uh, Brian had announced it. And then I thought I saw somebody just did a review of it, but I didn't get the chance to watch the review. So I'd have to know what's. I would imagine most of his deluxe pedals are are really cool and they're a little, they're slightly better than his standard pedals. But I had it's just been too soon to even think about buying something like that. Um, we got Ed Pack says, "What's your favorite reverb delay combo pedal?" Um, I don't have one, and I I know Wampler makes one, but I've never tried it. So I like the idea. You know, what I really think is uh, I really think TC Electronics. You know how they make the uh, times four, you know, delay, uh, they make the ditto times four and they make the uh, flashback time. I think they should take one of those boxes 
and take instead of making a giant delay uh, well they should make that too but take that and break it into two and make a, a reverb and delay i think it'd be really cool because that's really what i would put in the effects loop of most of my amps just a reverb and delay pedal you know so why not have it in one pedal but i hear nothing but good things uh, robert baker says the the wampler uh pedal with delay and reverb is fantastic but i haven't put my hands on one there isn't a dealer that sells wampler in my area so there's no way for me to try wampler pedals so i just have to do like what you guys do and order them um and i just haven't i haven't done it yet um if but compared to the tumness deluxe I think I would, or uh, the Ethereal, I think that's what it's called, right? The Delay Reverb. I think I would buy that before I would buy the Thomas Deluxe, just because I'm interested in it. Um, Steve says, I get feedback when I stop playing, even with guitar volume all the way down. Uh, will an EQ help? Um, no. It sounds to me, especially if it's a tube amp, you could have a tube problem. So I don't think that issue is EQ. If you're turning the, vo the guitar volume off and you're getting feedback, uh, it's it's the amp for sure and my guess is if it's a tube amp it's probably a tube could be your guitar cable so what I would also do is while you're um, while you're uh, getting the feedback unplug the guitar cable from the amp and see if it continues on that would help now that won't if it stops that doesn't mean it's the cable I'm just saying let's, let's start the process um, so unplug the cable. If it's doing the feedback for sure without the cable plugged in, you definitely know you probably have a tube. If it's a solid state amp, you probably have something else going on in, the, on in there. You might be too close to the amp, but what's supposed to happen when you turn the volume off on the guitar, the circuit, you know, there's no, there's not supposed to be sound in, from the amp anymore other than the initial hiss of the amp. So that's what I would try first. But my guess is bad tube if it's a tube amp and a or a bad cable for sure. And so if you can, uh, oops, hold on a second. And Steve, if you can, if you can comment in a little bit, uh, again, comment uh, if it was tube or solid state amp, I'll do my best to, to look for your comment. And if anyone else sees it, you know. Okay, next. Okay. Uh, <laughs> John, John says, who else wants more bass talk? You know, that's that's a good idea. You know, if there's bass players out there watching this and you guys want to do that, I, I'm okay with that. What I would like to do is uh, uh, put comments on the video when it goes, when it re replays so I can see the comments uh, and, you know, uh, say, you know, bass, more bass talk. I won't do more bass talk. What we'll do is we'll give a section of the, of the, of the live uh, QA to bass at the end. So, so... Dana Lee just tipped me five bucks, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. His last name is Gibson. I like the company. Do you own a Gibson, Dana? If I had, if my last name is Gibson, I'd own a Gibson. Although I say that, but there's a McKnight guitar, uh, acoustic guitars, and I don't own one of those. <laughs> um, um, Indrid uh, Cold says, Phil, thoughts on the Ibanez Tube Screamer amps? I'm wondering, I think I got an, I just got a question about this, what I thought of those compared to the Fender Super Champ. Uh, and I, I prefer the Super Champ because I think they both take pedals really well. I think the Tube Screamer amps by, by Ibanez are really cool. Uh, I tried, I've tried them many times. I thought they were cool. It was a cool little amp. It's one of those things like, you know, it, it was definitely my reasoning for not owning one is not because of any other reason than you, you know you just can't have everything so 
uh, so I, I just passed to get something else, but there, but that was a cool amp. Although I do stick with what I said, which are the question this week, which is out of the two amps, I like the Fender Super Champ a little better than the Tube Screamer amp. I think they both take pedals well, but the options on the on the Super Champ are just killer. Um, our Hoa says, Phil, can you talk about Gibson ES three thirty fives? Are they worth thirty five hundred dollars? Any other semi hollows you would recommend? You know, um, worth is a, an impossible term to ever figure out. Uh, you, you know what I mean? When it comes to $3,500, the, the, are they worth it? Well, in technically, cause they command that and they have a strong resale value. Um, they are fantastic guitars. Um, I will say this, and I've said this before, hold on as I drink coffee. Hold on. I had an ES-335 and I had an ES-339 and my ES-339 was really cool, but I ended up liking the ES-335 better. And I've said this before. I would never say this about an Epiphone Les Paul over a Gibson Les Paul. So I wanted to be clear. I think Epiphone Les Pauls are fantastic. They're some of the best guitars I've ever played and definitely worked on over the years for the money. They're up there. Uh, Epiphone makes a lot of great mid-priced Les Pauls. But I personally like a Gibson Les Paul better than an Epiphone. It's not an Epiphone isn't good. It's just if you gave me the option between the two, I will always pick the Gibson, especially if you're just offering it to me. The ES-335s, my issue with the ES-335, I just want to tell you why I got rid of the one I had. The reason I got rid of the one I had was I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. And one day a customer brought me in an Epiphone hollow body and I was working on it. And after I set it up and played it, it just blew the ES-335 out of the water. And it was very upsetting that his $500 guitar was killing my $3,000 guitar or whatever. I think I paid $22 for the, the uh, ES-335. But... Um, and I don't know why, but I sold the S335 and I meant to get the Epiphone and I just never did it. I, you know, something else, because what happened was, you know, I, I got the money freed up and I went to do it and I bought something else. You know, maybe it's attention deficit or disorder in that way. But my point is um, for hollow bodies, the S335s are great, but I really do believe um, the, uh, the Epiphones are a fantastic buy. Now, if you're into the high end stuff and you're looking at the hollow bodies, yeah, a 335 is an unbeatable thing, but definitely in that $3,500 range, look at Collings. Oh man, that stuff is fantastic. They're a fantastic brand to look at as well. The only thing I can tell you from experience of these high end hollow bodies is as much as I like Paul Reed Smith guitars, PRS hollow bodies are very good, but they are not the same as ES-335s. Nothing that Paul Reed Smith offers gives you that vibe and tone that I've, I've found. So definitely look, I would look at the Collins over, over if you're looking at high end for hollow body stuff as an option for a 335. Um, okay. So here's a good question from Brandon. It ties into something that's going on with me right now. So I tell you about it. It says, Hey Phil, can you do some reviews of some various independent pickup and guitar makers? A lot of good makers uh, could use the exposure. I actually uh, feel pretty horrible lately. Um, I've been trying not to talk about it too much because the channel is about gear and fun, but I've been, you know, I had a, a death in the family and it's been very uh, dramatic to deal with in the last uh, few weeks to, to a month. And, um, and I have a lot of equipment to review. So the videos have not been pumping out, but I have a bunch of stuff that you're talking about already. I have some really cool independent small company pickups from a couple brands. I I've been working on that. My goal, my plan was to have all that out in November and the things are just not working out the way I hoped. Um, but I'm hoping to soon have uh, some ketchup. I have a lot of when I want to, uh, what's great thing that's going on with me right now is I have a lot of, uh, family and friends as resources to help me get stuff done now that I've gotten so backed up. 
So um, there you go. And I also had some prior commitments that I just decided not to to cancel and mess with. Um, and that you know, even though this happened, and that has also been sucking up some some time. So it's a little bit of a, a time suck there. Um, what else we got? Uh, oh, Motor Amp says, are boutique amps overpriced? Well, boutique amps, if we're talking about legit, right? I don't know if I told you this, but there is a great video if you ever want to just laugh. Good laugh. Type in on uh, YouTube. I'll put the link on the when it replays. Put in, uh, Type in on YouTube, Marshall Boutique Amps. That'll do it. Or Marshall Bob, B-O-B, -B, Bob. Uh, boutique Amps. Uh, it's a funny thing. I just want to share it because it's a funny video. You know, I promised a, a good laugh. Um, anyways, our boutique amps are overpriced. Well, the problem with boutique amps is if they're legit, boutique meaning that it's small, made in small quantities by hand, overpriced is hard to say because how do you justify the fact that if somebody wants to make amps, I, let's not even talk about what caught the, the componentry. Let's just talk about this. If somebody decides to make amps for a living and they and they can make uh, you know and build a quality amplifier and they can only put out about five to six a year, well, they're going to have to get top dollar for those amps if they want to make any kind of living at all. I'm not even talking about a living, you know, well, just enough to subsidize their time. The The way you have to look at product is time it takes to, to manufacture something. You know, Paul Reed Smith acoustics are crazy, crazy expensive, but at least they have the, the, the at least Paul Reed Smith will tell you the main reason his acoustics are so much more expensive than Taylor is that he has to take 10 times as long to build one because he doesn't have a system in place as efficient as Taylor. Not that his are better because he takes longer. It's actually a deficiency how long it takes. So the same thing with boutique amps. Um, you know, part of the problem is to get amps down in price, you have to make them faster. Make them faster sometimes changes the quality. So there you go. The more important, I think, are our boutique amps overpriced. The question is, you know, are there viable, is, is there, there's viable options for boutique. In other words, do you absolutely have to have a boutique amp to have a boutique sound? And that answer is no. And I, I've learned to say that over and over again with pedals and guitars. Boutique pedals, guitars, and amps are valuable. They have a lot of reasons that why they're expensive. They're, there's not as many. There's exclusivity to that. If that doesn't matter to you, then that doesn't matter to you. But some people having something unique and interesting matters. That's why people buy art. They buy Some people buy reprints and put it in their house, and they're saying, hey, why pay, pay a ton of money? I got a picture right here. It looks like it is, right? But some people want the actual art because the emotional response, not a logical response. Boutique sometimes is more of an emotional response. But the truth is, the good news for everyone is, if you want a boutique, well, then you pay for it. It's your money. You do what, what you, with it what you will. You work for it. No one should tell you what to do. But however, if you feel you need boutique, but you don't want to spend the money or don't have the money, there are options. And with boutique amps, uh, there's definitely options to boutique amps. What I've experienced is no amp, no matter how expensive, there is definitely, an, just like pedals, there's an affordable version out there that should make you uh, happy and do the job. We Back Track says, easy question, once and for all, best solution for tracking guitar at home? Question mark excluding Axe FX Kemper, most versatile amp IR, preamp and software, thinking of turning a closet soundproof cabinet room. Hey, you know, interesting that you said this. That's what I'm doing right now. Um, I mentioned I just uh, I was just talking to Lawrence Petros uh, on the phone literally before I was going on live, and I was telling him how on the Dirty Shirley video, I used a cabinet isolated in another room when recording that amp. Um, 
or that pedal. And um, that's what I'm going through right now. Do I want to go through a two notes interface or or take a, a cabinet uh, IR and just run my amps in that, record these videos for you guys, or do I want to use an isolation box and put a cabinet in there? And I've decided for myself, I think for the most part, I'm going to go with an isolation box. Um, there's a reasoning for that. A little bit has to do with like what Phil X has told me. A little bit is what I've learned from Glenn Fricker from Spectrum Media Group, uh, you know, sound. Um, you know, uh, I, I was just telling Lawrence, I learned a lot from watching um, Glenn Fricker's videos. Uh, and I could have, you know, probably personally just reached out and asked him, but, you know, that's why he's got videos. I watched his videos and there was really interesting uh, uh, lessons. You know, it's funny. I know he's funny because he makes comments and he's kind of rude and that's his thing. But man, does his information really to the point. So to answer your question, I, for me, I think I want to go with live miking cabinets. I think it's more honest. Um, and, you know, something he said too, uh, that's Glenn, I want to perfect the art of this on the YouTube channel, you know, and that's something I, I ties into what I was just telling Lawrence as well. I told him that my only failure that I see when I make a video for everyone, when I review a product, I never want to see somebody say, I watched your video, I got the pedal, amp, guitar, doesn't matter. And it sounds like, it sounds horrible. Your video, it made it sound good, but it didn't sound good. I want it to be, yeah, it sounded like what it sounded like in your video, or it sounds better than it did in your video. Some people think they're insulting me. Sometimes they'll put it on the comments, they're like, hey, I have this pedal fill and it sounds better than your video leads it to believe. And I'm like, good because I don't want to damage the product company. I don't want to hurt anybody's uh, brand or image. I'm not out to do anything malice, but I don't want to mislead anybody. I don't I, like a food critic. I don't want to tell you the food is amazing. So you can have an average experience and be let down. I want you to know what I honestly feel of a product and give you an honest representation of how I think it sounds so that if you're like me and we're all the same where we can't try everything, sometimes you have to buy blindly off of a video. Maybe I can set a realistic expectation for what you're looking for. So that's where I'm going to do that for. So to answer your question with the Kemper Axe effects, all that stuff, I'm actually afraid of that stuff because what I notice is the more YouTubers pull in this amazing digital type product, the more their videos become so polished and perfect sounding. And, um, and I appreciate that as entertainment. You know, these guys that make these demo videos and I'm like, wow, that product sounded great. But I've had personal experiences now uh, not only before being on YouTube, but during and now where I watched a video, bought it, and it doesn't sound anything like, or it has an issue that I couldn't hear in the video because they had, they digitally removed it, you know, and, and digital, and this is my last thing. And then we'll go to the next question. My last thing on the digital modeling stuff, there's nothing wrong with digital modeling, but digital modeling in my brain is sometimes like, um, what do you call that? Uh, Photoshop. You know, you can take somebody and Photoshop them to look so much differently than they really look. I don't want to misrepresentate, misrepresent what I'm, what I'm seeing or hearing. I want it to be as accurate as possible. So that's my agenda for that. So that's why I'm, I'm going the route I am, which is, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go with a, an isolation cabinet box and just put a cabinet in there and mic it up. And I think I'm going to stick to SM57. I was, uh, so, you know, I, I had bought a bunch of mics. I've been messing with the mics and I, I really liked what Glenn Fricker had to say. Fluff had a, a tutorial where he said he didn't like the SM57. And that got, made me think like, you know, he's like, it's outdated. It's junk. There's better mics. And I realized, you know, the difference between me and a guy who's trying to record something for, for a band, I'm not trying to make things sound better than they are. I'm trying to make them sound like they are. 
So I'm trying to build a, a sound system and a video system that gives you accurate representation of what you're hearing and seeing. Okay, that all being said, let's go to the next question. Have you ever tried a Husen Kittner two Meister thoughts? I have. I own the two Meister 18. Uh, it was a little thin on my Strat, and I didn't like that it didn't have reverb. However, Husen Kittner was at GitCon, um, and Richard was there, and very amazing people. And they, uh, even though they're the European side arm of Husen Kittner, they reached out to the uh, US side of Husen Kittner, and they, I have talked to them, and they are supposed to be sending me the, not the two Meister, what's the other one? The new one. With the effects built in. I don't know why I'm spacing that. I'm sorry, guys. Um, the something Meister 40. Sorry about that. Anyways, it doesn't matter. It's coming. Uh, so I should have it soon and um, and uh, to check it out and review. And I played it a little bit, and I liked it. I can tell you this. Because I played it at GitCon, I can already tell you I like it better than 2 Meister. Um, uh, but maybe that's a good question. Maybe it'll be nice to do a comparative video of the 2 Meister, see what, what it is I like better about it. But I definitely know your uh, your uh, what do you? I definitely know I like having the effects built in, even though I'm only going to use the reverb. I just like having the effects. What I'm really curious, and tell me if you guys are curious about on the new uh, the new two Meister with effects. I was thinking about doing a shootout against my Mark V Mini since that's my favorite amp with gain, clean, and reverb to see how this compares. Um, it's eleven hundred bucks, so it's about four hundred dollars less than the, the uh, than the uh, the Mesa Mark V. Curious to see how it holds up. So, uh, next question is, Phil, any plan? Uh, wait. Oh, I am planning on getting an Eric Johnson Strat. Should I wait for the Semi Hollow one coming out next year or grab the regular model? Well, you know, that's a tough question to answer because, you know, that's, you know, uh, it, I, we don't know what the hollow, Semi Hollow comes out. But I can tell you this. The Eric Johnson Strats are some of my absolute favorite sounding playing Strats in Fender uh, history. I think it's one of the best guitars that you can buy. I think it's as good as any custom shop guitar you could ever own. Um, I, I've owned one for a short time. I got rid of it. It's definitely a guitar that I, I really should have kept. Um, the trick with Eric Johnson is I like Rosewood fretboards and I got rid of the maple fretboard Eric Johnson because I was going to get a Rosewood and I ended up not loving the Rosewood one as much as the maple. And that had to do with the actual guitar, not the model Rosewood versus maple, but the the guitar I got my hands on. I did not love the way I love. And that's those things you learn over time. You know, sometimes even though it's not, you know, you think you don't like a guitar, but you know, it's sometimes it's better to have what you know versus what you don't know, which is know your gear, right? It's better to know and have it, you know, and use it than get something that this, this mystical unicorn that's going to be great. So there you go. Um, all right, next question. How are we doing on time? Oh, good. We're only halfway through. That's good. Just want to make sure. Okay, here's a good question. Robert wants to know, Robert Martin wants to say, which, hold on, let me stop it. Which effects should I run through the effects loop of my amp? time-based effects only question mark y yeah through the effects of the amp i've always ran if it doesn't have reverb reverb and delay um I, you know i mess with everything for fun you know i've run compression uh you can put boost pedals in your effects loop i'm working on the buxom boost it's behind me uh right now review and uh in that review i'm going to be running it through the effects loop of the uh, runt 20 to see i don't know i haven't done it but i'm going to do that to see how it uh, you know, interacts with that amp in that way. Um, so yeah, a, a boost pedal is a really cool effects loop for getting that 
the volume threshold. Um, you can run your flangers, your phasers, choruses, all that stuff, either in front or through the effects loop. But like I said, for me personally, I just run uh, the uh, the uh, reverb and the um, delay. The only other pedal that I think absolutely has to go in your effects loop is a looper. Yep, somebody put that. It says looper in front or in the effects loop. Now, here's what's great. Somebody just asked that question. Sorry if I missed your name. Hold on a second. I'm trying to go back so I can give you some credit for that. Um, it's Mr. White Guy 6. I'm assuming you're a white guy and you're six foot tall. I don't know. Mr. White Guy 6 says looper in the effects loop or in the front. Now, the great answer is you can do it either way based on one of two circumstances. Your looper records whatever it hears. So if you're using a distortion box, you know, an overdrive or a distortion pedal, run the effects loop in the front of the amp. So run your pedals into your effects, uh, in your looper, into your amp. However, if you're using the distortion out of your amp, it has to go in your effects loop, and here's why. What's cool about a looper and the effects loop of an amp is it records what it hears. So if you if you play clean on your amp and loop that, it'll play back clean. And then if you run switch channels to distortion, start playing leads, even though you're in distortion of your amp, as long as your looper is in the effects loop, the backing tracks of the looper will still be clean. You get it? It doesn't care where you're... The looper in the effects loop will not care if your amp is clean or dirty. It will only care about what was recorded when. Does it make... Um, I don't want to make this confusing, but I think you guys understand what I'm saying. So in other words, it, it's... If you're going to... So the easy answer is, if you're going to use your amp's distortion, you have to run your effects loop through your... Or your or looper through your effects loop. And if you haven't done that, definitely, definitely try that. Um... 44 seconds says champion 40 update. Um, yeah. What would you like? No, I have two of them. <laughs> I have one. I think I told you guys, I put a, uh, Jensen in one to do a comparison and the, uh, and I put a, a vintage 30 in. It's, it's not even worth a video. It's, 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 it basically all I got from it was the original speaker sounded best to me. There was cool things about the other speakers, but the original sounded best. So if that's an interesting video, maybe I'll do it, but it really kind of felt like I would just be, 10 minute video to basically say, leave it alone. So we'll see. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, Brent, uh, Brent, Brent Horrocks says, Phil, I bought an acid reflux pedal. It's awesome. Thanks for the recommendation. What would you recommend as a good fuzz pedal? Oh, that's, that's tough, right? Fuzz pedal. Um, I own a bunch. You know, the problem, Brent, with fuzz pedals, I, it's so easy to say, you know, what delay I like. Fuzz pedals, it's like if you have a Strat, you want to go one direction. If you have a, a, a humbucker pickup, you want to go another one. Um, if you're new to fuzz pedals, I will tell you this. Uh, you can't beat a used Big Muff pedal um, for getting into uh, fuzz pedals. Uh, you can buy one dirt cheap, um, and I, that's what I would do. Start there. Because fuzz pedals are definitely a rabbit hole. There is nobody on the planet. I don't care what they know, how many fuzz pedals they've tried. I don't, anyone who tells you, oh no, buy this fuzz pedal and you'll be set. There is no way. There's a, fuzz pedals are so dramatic in how they react to everything. The pickup, the guitar cable, what other pedals are involved in the pedal board, the type of amp, whether your amp's distorted or clean. That's why when somebody goes, why do they make so many stupid fuzz pedals? It's based on two reasons. One, they're, they, they, they are dramatically different based on the circumstances. So not, not, there's not a one-size-fits-all. And two, they're extremely cheap to manufacture. They're, they're not an expensive circuit to create. So you can keep making different ones and mess with them. So, But I've experienced for me the Big Muff is pretty much the, yep, yeah, that, try that, and that's, that's where you start. 
So, and then what you do is when you've got other fuzz pedals, just keep the big muffins because it's a pretty, it's a gold standard for just trying out fuzz. So, Lawrence Gillespie says, fuzz pedals are a very big topic. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, and then Brian's got a question that tied in somebody else's question. He's asking me, what do you think, what are your thoughts on the AC-15? Somebody asked about the AC-30. I like them, do not love them. Um, you know, uh, I don't want to say it like this, but I'm going to, which is, you know, there's Ford people and there's Chevy people. That makes sense. That's a good analogy. There's Fender people and there's Vox people. So in that analogy... I like Vox. I, I really appreciate their products. I've owned a bunch, but I figured out over time, I'm just a Fender person. Um, and I think that has to do, Vox and Fender has to do with not the clean channels on each, has to do with how they both break up. Fender amps break up a different way than Vox amps. And although I think Vox has this really cool breakup as you turn them up, I'm just more of a run a Fender amp clean and stick a pedal in front of it kind of person. So for me... I have a lot of friends who have boxes and run pedals in front of them. And I think it sounds great, but I prefer my, I prefer my Fender every time. So there you go. Uh, that's just preference. And then Mika says, Hey, how do you, Oh, sorry. Micah below. I don't know. Micah says, how do you, how do you feel about the hot rod deluxe? I just ordered a lion six M five. I like the M six five M five. I got it. My, uh, closet right now. It's awesome. And uh, Fender Hot Rod Deluxe is one of my favorite amps. I have one in the other room. And uh, that's why the amps are decreasing in this room. I'm trying to go to a um, a more standardized format for reviewing pedals and guitars. Um, the Hot Rod Deluxe, I think, is a gold standard in every industry for just the working man's good amp. Um, and I think it gets a lot of hate because it's it, it's it gets a lot of hate because it's not exciting. It's not a, you know, a sexy, amazing amp. Oh, everybody, no one ever goes, man, one day I'll own a hot rod deluxe. Um, but to be honest with you, uh, you know, in fact, I just heard, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that when they made the Freeman dirty Shirley pedal, they were using a hot rod deluxe when they were, when they were, cause when pedal makers make pedals, just like guitars, they run them through amps they have. And, and so they, so that was the amp they used for a platform. I think the high rod deluxe is one of the best tube or not tube, best, um, t uh, pedal platforms there is. Cause it's it, for price for, for how, you know, it's, it's durable. It's reasonable. Um, okay. Let's see. What's your opinion on the EBH 5150 50 watt with EL 34s? Um, that was Logan. Um, I, I reached out to Matt at uh, EBH when the Tone King was in town saying, hey, we're both in town. Our Tone King's in town. Can we come check out the, the new amp? They didn't have one. And he said he was out of town. Uh, I never heard anything back like, hey, you, want, you, you still want to come check it out? So again, there's no way to check it out. I'm sure one will pop up soon and I'll check it out. I'm really curious because, as you know, I like that amp format, and I really think that's a cool idea. That was a smart idea. To, but I will say this. I'm more excited about the stackable volume gain controls on the channels than I am about the EL34s. EL34s are cool, but I really like uh, the stackable. Um, I Ionis, I'm going to say that's right. Ionis says, have you ever reviewed JoYo pedals? No, I haven't which is funny because I have a really good relationship with JoJo. They were at GitCon and, and uh, 
Terry, uh, one of the owners Jerry, of Joyo, was such a nice guy. They sent me a, a dual clons, and they sent me two of those Joyo heads, and um, to review, I did the, the dual clons. I haven't done the mini heads, but also I, I thought I got confused. I thought at GitCon they were saying they were going to send me the rest of them, and like the Tone King, I thought I would do a mass shoot out of those things. Those things to me, because they're one hundred nine dollars, they're cool. But like somebody said, you, you got to make sure you buy the one that fits for you. Um, and, you know, and that's what I want to figure out. Which one do I like the most? And then uh, Joyo is so cool that I like to do some giveaways with them um, as, as cool guys. Um, but uh, so I, I will I will do that. And then I mentioned this before. I don't know if you know this, but I, I introduced uh, uh, Joyo to uh, Robert Keeley and suggested that maybe they team up and do a Robert Keeley Joyo line of pedals, you know, and I don't know where that ended. I just know that they said they did talk and there was, they both said it, it went well, I, but I don't know what that means. Um, so I would like to do more reviews of Joyo pedals. I think they're very cool and affordable. Um, the other problem too, is I feel bad for them because they, they talked to me about doing some reviews, but you know, they don't have distribution in the U S so it seems kind of weird. So, so, so I'm afraid to like tell you guys, hey, these are great. Then you can't get one. Which, by the way, if you guys didn't figure that out, that's what happened with the dual clons. I did a review of the dual clons because they asked me to. You know, hey, would you check this out? <coughs> Sorry. And I said, yeah, I did the review if you guys watched it, but there's no really well place to get them here in the U.S. So there you go. Um... So many questions. Okay. Oh, great question. Gabriel says, do you play classical guitar? Um, yeah, in the way that I have a classical guitar and I play it, um, not very well. I feel a little at, more at home with classical guitar sometimes than I do a real guitar. I play acoustic way more than probably anybody thinks I do just because it's easy. The classical guitar I have is the Amy, A-M-I, by uh arts and luthery i like that guitar it was very inexpensive and it's loud i've owned a couple in a, inexpensive classicals as well and they just weren't as loud and they didn't sound as good but i like that guitar i play it a lot um it's actually hanging in the other room that's where i play it so yeah i think and so you know um i i've you know obviously because i owned a, an academy and a lot of teachers one of the teachers said classical guitar is a discipline you know and which is a different attitude than electric guitar and acoustic guitar i kind of i don't disagree with that and so he was saying that you know you should play classical guitar because there's no hiding behind it and i when i play it i feel that way too like your playing is 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 good or bad based on that so sometimes when i'm really trying to improve myself the classical comes out so And then somebody says, okay, so this is Beatmaster says, I have several pedals and I was wondering what multi-device PSUs you recommend. So power supplies. Um, you know, I, people are always going to have opinions about that. I use a one spot for most stuff. I've had a good experience with one spot. Um, Big Joe makes one. I've had a good experience with that. Probably slightly better experience with one spot, but they're basically the same. I, I have multi-power units, but I use just a, basically a one spot. But I'm a battery guy. I use the Sanyo lithium battery, the Big Joe lithium battery. 
I like that unless the device, unless the pedal doesn't doesn't like batteries because it sucks them down too fast. I like having a battery. It's fast. It's easy. It's not connected to the wall. I don't have to worry about stuff. But if you're using a bigger pedal board, you know, you can't. The, the problem is I think people assume because I have so many pedals that I like big pedal boards. I don't like more than five pedals, maybe six as a max on a pedal board. I like the idea of uh, when I was a kid, <laughs> stupid when I'm going to say it. When I was a kid, um, you know, my, my parents got me the box of crayons, but then, you know, you had the, the next door kid, we get the giant like mega box of crayons with the, the sharpener that I didn't get that box of crayons. And so I, but I always thought, man, it would be so cool to have every color. Um, having every pedal is like having a giant box of crayons. So I, I, it's not that I want to use, cause I don't need, you don't need a lot of pedals. You could figure out, you know, 10 pedals and go, these are the pedals I have, but I like, being able to go back to the crayon, the box of crayons and go, okay, this week it's this color for a while until I'm sick of that. Miss mess with stuff. So that all being said, uh, I, I keep it pretty simple when it comes to what I use. I just have it like having the selection. Okay. Uh, Luke David says, I like big pedal boards and I cannot lie. Yeah, you know, that would be a good song. Oh, here's a good question. Um, let's go back up. Sorry about that. It was about point-to-point -point wiring. I don't want to miss that. There is, I just want to point out, there's 550 of us hanging out. So, here we go. I'm um, jumping down to it again. Um, Yanks Rule 311 says, any thoughts, info on the PRS SC Custom 24 with Floyd? The, uh, no. Um, not any particular reason, you know, I asked, I will tell you this. I asked Tyler Larson from music is when, when the first night at GitCon when we were hanging out, me and him were just hanging out and, and drinking until three in the morning. If you heard the story and I asked him all these questions and, and one of the questions I asked him was, why does he have a PRS custom 24 with Floyd? And he seemed like that was a weird question to ask him, but I don't think he understood that, you know, Paul Reed Smith has had a shaky background with Floyd Rose. You know, Paul, Paul, Paul Reed Smith said he would never use a Floyd Rose, and then, bam, there was a Floyd Rose on on one of his SEs, and then Floyd Rose on his core guitars. And um, and Tyler said, well, I like the PRS, and I wanted a Floyd Rose guitar. So so I get what he's saying. He plays PRSs, he likes them, and then he wanted a guitar with Floyd Rose, so why not pick the brand of guitars he likes and have a Floyd Rose with it? Um, and so to answer your question, my thought on it is exactly that. If you like PRS and you like Floyd Rose separately, like you like Floyd Roses and you like Paul Reed Smith, then there you go. You should get a PRS with a Floyd Rose. However, if you're looking at it as something different, it, it, it's, it's not, it's just a PRS. It's just, you know, so me personally, a PRS with a Floyd Rose is not really a real PRS. And that's this dumb thing I say because of what Paul Reed Smith himself said, which is, now, some other thought that's funny was on this week's podcast with Tyler Larson, he interviewed Paul Reed Smith. So, of course, I was interested to watch it because I had just interviewed Paul Reed Smith myself. And he did a fantastic job. It was a great interview. And I think he handled it well considering he did the same. Paul Reed Smith did the same things to Tyler he did to me. He's kind of awkward and he's out there and he moves really quick on you and you got to keep control of the, the conversation with him. And... Tyler did this crazy thing. If you guys didn't see it, he actually, cause they couldn't see each other. He played his PRS custom 24 with Floyd Rose and asked Paul Reed Smith, if he could tell what guitar he was playing 
without seeing it just by hearing it. And Paul Reed Smith said it was a custom 24 with piezo system. Now what's interesting to me is, is that he said that, and I would imagine the piezo system and the Floyd have a same deadening effect, a deadening effect overall on the guitar. So it's weird to me, almost creepy that if that was a random guess that he guessed that way, because even though he guessed the wrong tech, he got custom 24, right? But he got Floyd Rose wrong. The fact that he said piezo or piezo custom 24, that creepy that his ear detected that it was a custom 24, but something was deadening the sound and both piezo systems uh, and Floyd's have the same effect. They, they, they don't resonate like his solid brass blocks do on his tremolos. Um, now, I don't know if I necessarily 100% believe that, that it doesn't resonate the same, but he believes that. And the fact that he could hear that it did that really makes me think maybe he's got a reason for believing that. Or it was all just luck, <laughs> which, which is fun. But that gives us something to talk about, right? It's either he's a genius or he's lucky. Probably both. Okay, next question. Uh, pizza pickups. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the gra That's Graph Tech. Um, Pizza pickups. I just watched Hinning's video today with GraphTech. That was really cool. There, um, PRS has that starving artist attitude. Love it. <laughs> okay, Tim Allen says, please. Hold on a second. This is the opposite problem. It is jumping around. And I want to just catch it real fast. You know, it's funny. Actually, I'm going to get sidetracked right now. I want to ask you guys, because I love these live streams because it's a way to interact with everybody and talk to the talk to you guys. It's funny that GraphTech, I just saw GraphTech uh, commenting because I thought of an idea this morning and I'm really excited about it. What do you guys think of a crazy contest? Okay. So I told you guys I was trying to think of something to do to, for 25 million views, win or if we ever hit that number. Um, I have an idea. What if you guys submit to me names, your names, and I pick one or even two or three. I mean, we don't have to get crazy. Maybe it's like five, one, you know, um, you know, some kind of number that makes sense, right? But you guys basically have to agree. I'll pay for it. I'll pay the shipping to and from, okay? So basically what happens is you guys get to put your names in the kitty. If I pick your name, I pay for you to ship me your guitar to me and I will deck your guitar out. You have no control of this, right? I'll put the pickups in it. I put a new GraphTech nut in it. I do crazy stuff to it. Basically, you send me a guitar you're comfortable with sending to me, um, and I make your guitar as amazing as I can in every way that I think I know how to, and then I'll pay to ship it back to you, and the winners get their guitars back decked out, right? Like kind of pimp my ride, but for your guitar. And I'll, and I'll videotape each one. You know what I mean? I'll show you guys, and I'll even walk you through the logic why this guitar gets a new nut versus why the guitar didn't get a new bridge or, you know what I mean? Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll do this. The reason is, is cause this would be easy for me to do. The patrons already pay for costs like this. They, they will cover the, sh the shipping. Thank you again, patrons for all that stuff. And to be honest with you, I'm sure some companies would be willing to help, you know, send some product promotion stuff that, that I need for the guitars, but also I have all this stuff in my shop so I can just, deck out guitars. So please put in the comments what you guys think of that idea. I think it'd be fun. Um, you know what I mean? And maybe I do one guitar for every 5 million views. So that would be cool, right? So five guitars for 25 million views. And, 
And everybody who doesn't get picked, at least you get to see what I did to the other guitars, so you can decide if that's something cool. I don't know. That, I think it'd be fun. I thought of the idea this morning. I'd really like to share with you guys. I, I think it sounds awesome. I would love to do it. Okay. And then... So, oh, love the idea. Great. Fantastic. Yeah, I think it'd be fun, too. I, right? It's not just, you know, sip somebody, one person. My wife was telling me that... You know, if I do a giveaway with one thing and I give it, then, you know, basically everybody watches one person get something. But if I do a couple people, that's great. But more importantly, if we get video content out of it, you know, and you guys can see cool stuff. And like I said, just see what are my thoughts on that. You know, why, why I pick those things. Okay, so next question. Okay, wait, hold on. Just moved again. All right, it says, yeah, pimp my axe. <laughs> Boy, you're going to have to be really clear on that X. <laughs> axe. <laughs> Can you, I'm trying to see this comment, hold on. Can you, where does it go? Like I said, new, sorry guys, this is not my normal computer. And it is not, it doesn't let me, I have to use the sidebar where I used to be able to grab the comment and move it around a little bit. So I, I apologize again for James Taylor says, I'm looking to buy a three, four size guitar for my nine year old. Any suggestions? Uh, yeah, I really, really like the Jackson, um, guitars, the, the minions. Fantastic guitars. I know they got a little pointy headstock and stuff, but for three, that's for electric, right? So uh, for three, so definitely recommend those guitars. A lot of people like the Ibanez Micros. They're good too. I prefer the the Jacksons. Uh, Squire makes minis, but I prefer the Jacksons. I own a Jackson Micro. That's how good I like it. So I mean, I have it because it's cool and it's it's fun little guitar. And that says a lot because I really wanted one of the Paul Gilbert mini guitars because it looked so cool and it was it was fun. But playability-wise, the Jackson was better. So I'd rather have a better playing guitar than a guitar that looks cool. Okay. Uh, Tom says, do you have an opinion on the Laney Lionheart amps? No, you know, I keep seeing them and I've never tried one. There was one at the NAMM show, but it was so loud. I just, you know, I knew if I plugged in, I wouldn't hear anything. So I just don't know. I knew nothing, nothing about them other than they look cool. I like the blue that they have. And so it just looks cool. Okay. So. Oh, here's somebody. Oh, that's somebody you guys are talking about. Mesa boogies. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's next question. The next question is Oh, somebody saying they pay for shipping. Well, like I said, we can figure that out. I mean, it's it it's just easy, you know, I can budget it in and just do it. I just think it'll be fun. And you know, because keep in mind, the, the part of the thing is, you know, when I make content videos, I do get paid for the videos. So, I mean, you know, my time doing the repairs, I'd be videotaping it. So, I mean, it does, I do get subsidized a little bit. So, I'm not actually saying, hey, I'm doing this, you know, this is, 
you do get paid. That's one of the being. That's one of the benefits of YouTube. I got a little grief. I shouldn't talk about this, but I got a little grief. I cut a pickup in half on one of my videos, and everybody got upset. And to be honest with you, you know, I'll be honest. I did that because I was curious what it looked like inside, and I had a luxury, which was if I cut it in half, the video, which it did, would make more than what the pickup costs, and everybody would get to see into it. And I, as as much as I don't want to destroy property and waste things, I'm not wasteful, but education costs money. You know, sometimes you have to, you know, it's it's why you look at stuff. So I like I like the idea that we can do stuff on this channel and learn together. Th that to me is the coolest thing. Okay. Oh, 600. Yeah, 600 watching. 125 thumbs up. That's awesome. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Okay, next question. Why don't guitar makers offer more models with satin finished necks? Oh, that's from Frank V. Um, I don't know. To me, I perceive it as most do. You figure, I mean, the big guys, uh, Paul Reed Smith and Gibson really don't. But I don't think it has anything to do with just one thing about guitar manufacturers, which are scary. Think about this. I want to put this in perspective for you as a guitar man, making guitars. One downfall of making guitars over making amps and over pedals, anything else, is when you make a guitar, generally speaking, whatever your first guitar is, your first guitars that you make as a company, that's pretty much what everybody's going to want you to make from now on. Think about that. Think about all the guitars you know. Just don't even think about Gibson Fender. Take them out of the equation, right? Think about Ibanez. Think about Jackson. Think about BC Rich. Think about Martin and Taylor. Just think of any guitar company. The guitars that they get known for right away, they got to make those guitars forever. And they only get to change them a little bit here and then. And whatever the changes are, those those models have slight bumps in sales and then drop. Does that make sense? Every every guitar company I've ever in, ever worked with has told me the same thing, that if they make a variation of one of their classic models, yeah, it sells for a little while and then everybody goes back to the classic model. So, and there's a lot of reasons for that. So I think that's why a lot of people get stuck that do make gloss necks staying with gloss necks. So there you go, if that, if that, that makes any sense. But, you know, amp companies like Marshall, see, Marshall gets to make new amps. I mean, companies get to make new stuff, new pedals, new amps, and, and do the classics. But guitar companies seem to be really isolated. Very rarely do we are we very accepting of them changing things too much. Okay. And we're going to go the wrong way because I'm growing the wrong way. Well, PRS make a left-handed amp. You know, that's actually funny. <laughs> uh I'm glad he make le he made left-handed SEs. So you know, I'm really glad. I was really disappointed in his comment. You know, in the left-handed community, I thought, you know, I, you know. So the fact that they addressed that, some left-handed people sent me emails saying it's too little, too late. I didn't get a whole lot of that, but I get a little bit of that. But the most of the left-handed community said, "Hey, you know what? Cool, finally something for us." And I understand. You know, I wouldn't enjoy it either if. If most products, you know, this is the thing I love to talk about and 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 play with and do. I wouldn't enjoy it either if a lot of the products were basically isolated from me. So um, Pablo wants to know, hey Philip, is point-to-point -point wiring in, in an amplifier worth the nice premium? So there's a there's a great video where you can watch on YouTube. It's Marshall's Factory Tour. Uh, it's There's a bunch, but the if you type in Factory Tour, Marshall Factory Tour, it's the number one video, watch that. And they talk about their point-to-point -point wiring. And in that video, it really dis was distressing to me 
to see that they were basically saying, oh, we use the same components, and then these are just basically pressed in by a machine, and these are point-to-point wired by a person. Yeah, we charge a premium for that. The, so the answer to your question is, I think the point of point-to-point wiring is better components and more attention to detail. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to perceivably give you a question back, which is, do you think if they take the same exact components that they put on a, that they press into a board and somebody just hand solders them in, do you think that's going to be a better product? And the answer is probably no. I mean, actually, to be honest with you, I almost trust the computer to do it more than a person. So I could argue that I think not only that they're equal, but actually go, hey, I go with com- computer, computer done one. Now, point to point, let's say homemade cooking, right? Homemade cooking with better ingredients, right? Local farm-grown vegetables done locally, you know, right? That's a better maybe meal than a processed meal. That makes sense. But if you told me that basically the homemade meal was the processed ingredients then slapped together. So to point to, to answer your question totally and f- fully, I don't think point-to-point has a big difference unless it has a better components added to that as well. Okay. Somebody saying, uh, that's Wayne saying, hands down, best bang for your buck amp, <coughs> sorry guys, uh, is the Fender Super Champ XD X2. Got one used for $200 based on your love for it in the past. It's awesome. And yeah, yeah, like I said, uh, it's in the 300 that amp, $200 used is great price. $300 new, <coughs> excuse me, $300 for a an amplifier like that, it, it, it really is a unique product in that price category. There's not a whole lot of products that compete with the what it does and what it has for that price. Um, so the question is uh, from Alpha James 33 says, Hey Phil, any pedals to back the hum when using P90s? I mean, you could use a noise gate. Actually, to answer your question, I'm going to say no. I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios that I can say that, yes, in a live situation, I would use a noise gate. That will fix a lot of problems. Use a volume pedal or be quick on your volume control on your guitar. Um, you know, that's Paul Gilbert's thing. Paul Gilbert's really fast in the volume. You know, I don't know if you notice. There's a lot of guitar players like that. You can watch them. It, Paul Gilbert, if you ever noticed it, he's so on it. When he stops playing, he turns the volume off the guitar that if you watch enough videos like I have of him, you will catch him doing it when he's not plugged into an amp. I've seen him play and then turn a volume off. Off, he wasn't even plugged in anything. It's just instinctive. When you stop playing, volume goes off. And then I always I noticed that over the years. And then one day I saw an interview with him saying that his first time ever playing in public, he didn't know to turn the volume off, and the guitar kept squealing and feeding back in between the songs. And so his uncle said, "No, you got to turn the volume off." And so he's been Johnny on the spot ever since. So my my experience with P90s is when you're not playing. You just get facet, zip that knob off. In fact, the interview I do with um, uh, Phil X, watch him. He, he talks about P90s. Zip that volume knob off. If you can't do it, use a volume pedal. I like a volume pedal better than a, a, a noise suppressor for that situation, but a noise suppressor will work. That's just the, the thing I recommend. So, Okay, let's go down. We're at three minutes past the hour. We'll go 10 over. What do you think? 10, 10 minutes sounds good? little bit of time over get some get some more questions in 
Okay, so Scotty says, hey, Phil, love the show. Thank you. What can you tell me about the Bogner amplification? They're, ex they're expensive, so I assume they're upper end. Ever play one? Thoughts? Yeah, um, I, I had a Bogner Shiva. Love the dirty and didn't like it when it was in clean, you know, cleaned up. And so I got rid of it and I was telling a friend and he said, oh, you got to have a Bogner Ecstasy. That's the magic. But that thing was big pricey. Um, I wanted to try the Bogner Atma, which is a smaller amp for home. And it's got four channels and it looks great. And there just isn't anywhere to try one. And this year at the NAMM show, I specifically walked up to the Bogner booth, which was the Bogner pedal booth mixed in with the, uh, the, um, Friedman booth all this, and they didn't have any amps. Bogner wasn't there at the show, so I couldn't try one either. So to answer your question, yeah, Bogner's very boutique, for the lack of a better term. Uh, people who have it love it. Very rarely do you find somebody say they don't like their Bogner product. I will tell you this. I have a Bogner uh, pedal. It's the, uh, the, the purple one, and it's one of the best pedals I own, for sure. Uh, top Maybe we should do a, a top 10 overdrive pedals of all, you know, of my collection or something. I don't know. But if I did, that one is in there. So. Um, this is a hard question. I'm going to give it a shot. Um, Manuel saying, what are your thoughts on new Ampless rigs? And when I Ampless, I, I'm assuming you mean like the Axe FX, you know, uh, AX8 or going direct and not using an amplifier in their rigs. Um, I think that's great because it it's exactly it's it's just how into a means right you're just getting the sound to the audience not every guitar player not every musician has the same needs or wants I feel like I need to hear an amp but what do I know I'm, you know I'm different than than somebody who doesn't but when I see guitar players uh, and I, I'll go I'll defer to an experience um, Larry Mitchell if you watch him perform he performs with an axe FX uh, AX8 or whatever, uh, and his tone is fantastic, and he just plugs right into a PA. He just takes that thing wherever he goes and plugs into a PA. Fantastic. I dare anybody to say that doesn't sound great. Now, it's mostly in his hands and his amazing playing, but you know what I mean? Uh, you know what I mean? It's 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 in his hands, but it's also, it's also just good gear. So, yeah, Amplis is not a big deal. Okay, so it says tigerbait.com says Pete Thorne, Phil. Oh, I don't want it to move. It's going to move. Hold on a second. Pete Thorne, Philip, when is your full show video going to happen with him? You know, I haven't reached out to him. I reached out to you. I asked you guys who would you like to see on the show next. You guys said Phil X. I texted Phil. I said, what do you want to do it? And of course, because he's funny, he said, faux show. <laughs> mofo or something i don't know he's funny funny uh so it's just about setting up a time for him uh so i'll, I'll do that um I'm, I'm sure pete thorne would be uh uh willing to do it i talked to him at GitCon. he said he would be willing to come on and do that um he even mentioned having him and dave freeman come on and, and talk so it's up to you guys if you guys want to do that so you know just about asking him reaching out i would love to because like i said i'm a big fan i'm even a bigger fan because i'm I'm trying not to buy another set of Pete Thorne humbuckers. I love them so much, but they're so, so, so good. So, okay. Here's a good question that I like, because this is a cool one. It says, Wild, Wild, Wilded Roses says, Budget guitars keep getting better. Do you see yourself buying a 1K plus guitars in five years? So, I, okay. So, I see what you're saying. 
but I've already said this before, and 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 you know, this is my stance on guitars. So I'll always be very clear. There is two extremes, too much. I think guitars get too inexpensive. In other words, you know, when people tell me that guitars are fantastic and hundred dollar guitars are fantastic, they're not bad. But to me, telling me a hundred dollar guitar is fantastic is telling me the McDonald's combo number two meal is the best meal ever. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I'm, you know, you're on the road traveling out of town, you stop at McDonald's, it's fine. But it's not amazing. It can't be amazing because there's some elements that have to be in place to make an instrument good. Let's just start there, right? You can't use cheap PVC plastic for parts. You can't use certain things. So nothing wrong with a $99 guitar, but there is nothing amazing about a $99 guitar. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty blanket about that on everything. Even the Harley Benton guitars are fantastic at the price point. They're still not amazing. They're just really, really good for the money. You, you can't beat it. But you understand, talking about something's value by saying, wow, it's a really great price and great product for what you get is not saying it's the greatest guitar ever. So that's the extreme of that. The high-end extreme, when guitars get too crazy priced on the high end, same thing. There's a point where you go, okay, you can't make a guitar any better either. So you can't, you, you, know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so we're going to talk about the middle now. And, and a lot of that middle has to do with people's personal budget. So I, I, you can't really, I can't blanket say something as a fact, but I, what I can tell you is this, um, you can buy fantastic guitars, absolute fantastic guitars for 500 bucks, $500. Literally, I cannot find problems with them. I can't find anything wrong with them. I go through them with my, with a magnifying glass, a, a fret rocker. I just can't find a, a, a defect in the product. So we know that they can make great guitars. And yes, they make them sub that price too. But I'm just saying as a blanket statement, $500 in the US, you start getting the sweet spot of good guitars, okay? Now, um, so to answer your question, in five years, will that end my personal buying of $1,000 guitars plus? Well, no, because I don't buy $1,000 plus guitars now because they're good. I buy them because they're unique. If you watch this channel for any length of time and you watch me, it's not hard to figure out. I'll just play a Strat, a Mexican Strat, an American Strat. I like American Strats 10% more than Mexican Strats, but that's still more. So uh, I have a collection, so I buy an Amer American Strat. If, you know, if I had to pay some big bill or something and I had to sell this stuff off, I, I, I could play a Mexican Strat. I'd be happy the rest of my life. There, I would be missing nothing. So, um, but, you know, so the point of that is I buy guitars that are more premium than $1,000, not because I can't get quality, because I like having something unique. You know, it's it's just a luxury I, I want. I want to be able to go, yeah, this guitar, you don't see everybody with this guitar. It's kind of fun to have something unique. But that being said, I could buy a $300 guitar and have it custom painted and have something unique as well. I've done that in the past as well. So there you go. So, all right. And oh, okay. Uh, D Rock says, "Hey Phil, what can you tell us about Squires from Mexico?" Originally, the Squire brand, uh, when it when it was Fender uh, Squire by Fender, Fender by Squire, there was a lot of them that were made in Japan, then Korea and Mexico. Not in that order, but there are brands that are made in those places. You can find uh, Japanese, Korean, and Mexican-made Squires, um, and it makes total sense. Think about this. Let's use something that's that's even newer. 
you can find Eddie Van Halen 5150 heads, 50 white heads, made in Vietnam and Mexico. Fender tries other places besides Mexico. So, um, and vice versa, they try Mexico too. So the Squires that were made in Mexico were just made there. That's that was a new factory. My guess is if you have a Squire that says made in Mexico, it's between the years of let's say 88 to mid 90s. Give or take, I doubt it would be more recent than the 2000s. So they, you know, and then now they go to China and Indonesia. Chris says you get what you pay for. Yeah, and then sometimes you don't even get that. <laughs> sometimes you get what you pay for, and then sometimes you don't even get what you pay for. Um, all right, let's do two more questions and we'll call it. So let's see if I can. I hate it when I say that and then I go on and on, but it's because I'm. I always always say that and I try to. Okay, Wild, I know I already answered one of the questions, but it was a good question. Uh, uh, somebody asked, uh, Wild Roses again asked, what was the, oh, I don't want to miss it. What company was the most mom and pop friendly when you owned the store? And that's a great question. And, you know, and, and the problem with that, I'm going to answer it, but the problem with that is you understand when I say the company that I think of, there were always other companies that were good too. Does it make sense? And when I say most friendly, I, I mean, a company that there are companies that tell you that they love mom and pop stores, but they really love big orders. So there's nothing wrong with liking big orders. So they like Guitar Center and they like the chains. But there are some companies that just didn't want to deal with big stores and they deal with mom pops only. And so um, there are brands out there. So believe it or not, like brands like as silly as it is, String Swing was fantastic. They um, they would find a way to work with you better. You know, GHS strings, and that's actually something silly to say because here's why. I personally played Diodario strings, or Diodario strings, however you want to say it. Um, and, uh, you know, and Ernie Brawl was a good company too. But when I think of mom and pop friendly, GHS was more mom and pop friendly. So there was a lot of companies that were definitely more mom and pop friendly. And But when I say mom and pop friendly, it's, um, it's about, to me and I, I want to speak for the mom and pops that are out there now, it's about companies who realize that not that they're important because they are important, but realize that their dollars are dollars. You know, when somebody gives you, as a mom and pop, when somebody gives you $100, and I know a big chain gives you $100,000, to me, to look at the $100 like it's not worth your time is not always the best attitude to have. So the companies that really understood that every dollar that came from a mom pop was as valuable as a dollar coming from a chain. And and so the companies that were really good, like I said, like GHS or String Swing, PRS, you know, you know, um, th that that basically those companies would find ways to work with you and give you better deals. Or uh, I loved it when companies like um like PRS would basically go, you know, they got to give more. Here, if you buy more, you get this, you pay less. So yeah, they'll give the bigger accounts a better deal, but not to the point where they're going to collapse the mom pops. They would go to the mom pops and they would have other ways to help them. But believe it or not, you know who's actually pretty decent to mom pops overall? And this will probably be controversial. Fender had a way of being good and bad. So I could say as many good things as bad things. But one thing that Fender did, even though I can't say they were great to mom and pop shops, they they did do a lot of good things as much as they did bad things. So a lot of mom pops will tell you that Fender was really hard to deal with, but I can tell you from the years of doing Fender, one of the things they did that helps a mom and pop is, and this is the most vital thing for mom and pops, a company that stands behind their product will help a mom and pop because 
one of the hardest things to do when you're when you wake up in the morning and you're like, okay, first thing I got to open the store, then I got to take out the trash, then I got to, you know, vacuum the floors and get ready for the customers, and then I, you know, when you have things to do, when you got to help the customer that comes in the store and help them, it's hard when a customer walks in and goes, that thing I bought from you two days ago has problems. It's really nice if the company that sold it is willing to help the problems. So there you go. Okay, and the last question is this one. Let's find a good one and we'll call it. It's funny, this computer jumps around in the weirdest way. Okay, here's the question I'm going to go with. If it didn't jump out of the way, which I think it just did. This is the weirdest. I hope my computer's fixed by next week. The question is from Dave Rainbow. When you buy a Gibson Les Paul or a Fender Stratocaster, you know you are on a level playing field. Now, now walk in the walk. Okay, that was a question. That was a statement. Yeah, I understand. Um, my my mother would call it the, it's called the, we have arrived. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes, if you have a Strat or if you have a Gibson or Fender, you, you do feel like, hey, yeah, I've, I've made it to some level of, of you know, of, of status. Yeah, the status products, of course. So since that wasn't a question, I'll do the thing I said I wouldn't do, which is do one more. Okay. All right. I'm hoping this is a question. I don't really proofread these, so you know, I just kind of go with it. MB215 says there was one $99 guitar that punches well above the, its weight. The ESP LTD EC10 was my first guitar, and it's still and it's still in regular rotation. Cheap pickup sound and and plays better than two and three hundred dollar guitars. Yeah, yeah. Again, that doesn't that do, that's not different than what I said. Um, Ninety nine dollar guitars can be fine, but they're never going to be amazing. You said you could be happy with it. You it, it could be a great guitar, of course. You can you know right? If, of course. Um, but to say that a ninety nine dollar guitar is as good as you know a very high end guitar in the way it's fit and finishing quality is just never going to be there because because here's the thing. Usually the thing, the precursor to that is when somebody says, oh, my $99 guitar, my cheap guitar is as good as a high-end guitar. With just a few seconds of conversation, more comes out like, well, I already, I had it crowned and leveled. I had this done. Yeah, if you do things to a guitar, you know what I mean? So yeah, and and that and that and and that's why I want to do that one video where we talked about where we pick five winners and I fix up their guitars because I'm very aware of the fact because I, you know, I, I do it. You can take inexpensive guitars and make them much, much better. Yeah, that, but that to me is not the same as buying a $99 guitar. Buying a $99 guitar and fixing it up is different than just buying one that's good. So there you go. 620 of us. I appreciate you guys hanging out with me today on Friday. I appreciate you dealing with all the issues, which is the new camera and the computer and the whole thing. I'm sure it was a slight disaster, but uh, I really appreciate you guys hanging with me. I promise next week I'll either have my old computer fixed or I'll have a new computer. Either way, it'll get, it'll get resolved because I don't didn't want to miss today because that was important to me, and I hope it was important to you guys as well. And um, 
And again, I want to thank everybody on Patreon because uh, it was re it's really cool that they help do this stuff as well. And thank you, Lawrence. And I want to thank Lawrence and Terry Bear. Um, Lawrence and Terry Bear were doing moderation, um, and I hope they're doing a good job, and, and I hope that helps keep it. They're just trying to help the questions flow a little better uh, because, you know, there's a lot of us on here, and I'm trying to make all this kind of move a little better and feel a little better. We'll, we'll do, uh, like I said, uh, I'll, I'll do that stuff as much as I can. Thank you again. Uh, for all of you guys' help and everything. And thank you guys for joining me today. And I'll see you soon. And, and until next week, uh, thank you for your time and know your gear. <laughs>